Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Twisted Manor. I'm Shimas Rocky, your host, and with me, my co-host. Hi, it's Emily. Today, for the podcast, we got some updates, and then we're just going to dive right into our Christmas special. So, just a couple of updates. Um, I think we've well-established pretty much everything so far. Um, I think the only update that needs to... Uh, two updates that need to be heard is, one, last episode we mentioned that we got 39 votes on Instagram to for me to read the uh, murder mystery that I wrote. So, it's only about... 40 pages or so. Yeah, looks like a lot of you guys want to hear it. So that'll be the next episode. It'll be a bonus episode. And that will just mean that that will be on the side, but we'll still have a regular show for the week as well. The other update and final update is that we are coming to the end of the month. So stay weary on Instagram because we will be posting the two charities that we're going to be choosing for to donate to next month. Yeah, stay tuned for that. It's coming up like any day now. Uh, Last month... You guys voted for the animal welfare program, and we donated at the beginning of this month. So just uh, get on Instagram, vote for which one you want us to donate to this month, and then we will gladly donate at the beginning of January. Okay, well, this episode is going to be a little different because it is our Christmas special. So this episode is titled Snowed In, and we are going to uh, hop right into the story. So... Uh, M, do you want me to start or you? I think you started last time, yeah, right? Yeah, you start. Okay. So we've only prepared one story each. It is a special, so we wanted to keep it short for the holidays. But uh, I, for the life of me, cannot find a single Christmas ghost story that wasn't you know, like a Christmas carol. So that was really hard to maneuver, but I did find something extremely interesting nonetheless. This story is titled... Yuki Ona, the Snow Ghost. Perhaps there are not many, even in Japan, who have heard of the Yuki Ona, Snow Ghost. It is little spoken of except in the higher mountains, which are continually snow-clad in the winter. Those who have read Lafcadio Hearn's book will remember a story of the Yuki Ona, made much of on account of its beautiful telling, but in reality not better than the following. Up in the northern province of Eshigo, opposite Sado Island on the Japanese Sea, snow falls heavily. Sometimes there is as much as 20 feet of it on the ground, and many are the people who have been buried in the snows and never found it until the spring. Not many years ago, three companies of soldiers, with the exception of three or four men, were destroyed in, and bear with me here, (laughs) Awomori. I think. And it was many weeks before they were dug out, dead of course. Mysterious disappearances naturally give rise to fancies and a fanciful people. And from time immemorial, the snow ghost has been one with the people of the north. While those of the south say that those of the north take so much sake that they see snow-covered trees as women. Be that as it may, I must explain what a farmer called Kyuzimon saw. In the village of Hoi, which consisted only of eleven houses, very poor ones at that, lived Kyuzamon. He was poor and doubly unfortunate in having lost both his son and his wife. He led a lonely life. In the afternoon of the 19th of of January of the third year of Tempo, that is 1833, a tremendous snowstorm came on. 
Husemon closed the shutters and made himself as comfortable as he could. Towards 11 o'clock at night, he was awakened by a rapping at his door. It was a peculiar rap and came at regular intervals. Husemon sat up in bed, looked towards the door, and did not know what to think of this. The rapping came again, and with the gentle voice of a girl. Thinking it might be one of his neighbor's children wanting help, Husemon jumped out of bed, but when he got to the door, he feared to open it. Voice and rapping coming again just as he reached it. He sprang back with a cry. Who are you? What do you want? Open the door! Open the door! Came the voice from outside. Open the door? Is that likely until I know who you are and what you are doing out so late and on such a night? But you must let me in. How can I proceed farther in this deep snow? I do not ask for food, but only for shelter. I am very sorry, but I have no quilts or bedding. I can't possibly let you stay in my house. I don't want quilts or bedding, only shelter, pleaded the voice. I can't let you in anyways, shouted Cusimon. It is too late and against the rules and the law. Saying which, Cusimon rebarred his door with a strong piece of wood, never once having ventured to open a crack in the shutters to see who this visitor might be. I'd be too curious. <laughs> I'd die. As he turned towards his bed with a shutter, he beheld the figure of a woman standing beside it, clad in white, with her hair down her back. She had not the appearance of a ghost, her face was pretty, and she seemed to be about 25 years of age. Kyuzimon, taken by surprise and very much alarmed, called out, Who and what are you, and how did you get in? Where did you leave your getta? I can come in anywhere when I choose, said the figure, and I am the woman you would not let in. I require no clogs, for I whirl along over the snow, sometimes even flying through the air. I am on my way to visit the next village, and the wind is against me. That is why I wanted you to let me rest here. If you will do, so I shall start as soon as the wind goes down. In any case, I shall be gone by the morning. What? What? She, like, asked permission to come in, then came in anyway, and then asked again for permission? Like, you're not already just breaking into my house? Yeah, it's like a bitchy black-eyed kid. Like, yeah. Like, yo, let me in. No, alright. Pushes you over and walks in. I'm fucking in anyway. <laughs> I gave you the chance to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I should not so much mind letting you rest if you were an ordinary woman. I should, in fact, be glad. But I fear spirits greatly, as my forefathers have done, said Kuzimon. But not afraid. You have a busidan, said the figure. Yes, I have a busidan, said Kuzimon. But what can you want to do with that? You say you are afraid of the spirits, of the effect that I may have upon you. I wish to pay my respects to your ancestors' tablets and ensure their spirits that no ill shall befall you through me. Will you open and light the busidan? Yes, said Kuzimon. With fear and trembling, I will open the busidan and light the lamp. Please pray for me as well, for I am an unfortunate and unlucky man. But you must tell me in return who and what spirit you are. You wish to know much, but I will tell you, said the spirit. I believe you are a good man. My name is Oyasu. I am the daughter of Yezimon, who lives in the next village. My father, as perhaps you may have heard, is a farmer, and he adopted into his family and as a husband for his daughter, Isaburo. Isaburo is a good man, but on the death of his wife last year, he forsook his father-in-law and went back to his old home. It is principally for the, that reason 
that I am about to seek and remonstrate with him now. Am I to understand that the daughter who was married to Isaburo was the one who perished in the snow last year? If so, you must be the spirit of Oyasu, or Isaburo's wife. Yes, that is right, said the spirit. I was Oyasu, the wife of Isaburo, who perished now a year ago in the great snowstorm, of which tomorrow will be my anniversary. Kyuzumon, with trembling hands, lit the lamp in the little busadan, mumbling, Namu Amida Butsu, Namu Amida Butsu, with a fervor which he had never felt before. When this was done, he saw the figure of the Yuki Ona advance, but there was no sound of footsteps as she glided to the altar. Kyuzumon retired to bed, where he promptly fell asleep, but shortly afterwards he was disturbed by the voice of the woman bidding him farewell. Before he had time to sit up, she disappeared, leaving no sign the fire still burned in the Busanon. Kyuzumon got up at daybreak and went to the next village to see Isaburo, whom he found living with his father-in-law, Yezumon. Yes, said Isaburo, it was wrong of me to leave my late wife's father when she died, and I am not surprised on, on cold nights when it snows, I have been visited continually by my wife's spirit as reproof. Early this morning I saw her again, and I resolved to return. I have only been here two hours as it is. On comparing notes, Kyuzumon and Isaburo found that directly the spirit of Oyasu had felt, or had left the house of Kyuzumon, she had appeared to Isaburo at about half an hour after midnight, and stayed with him until he had promised to return to her father's house and help him to live in his old age. That is roughly my story of the Yukiona. All those who die by the snow and cold become spirits of the snow, appearing when there is snow, just as the spirits of those who are drowned in the sea only appear in stormy seas. Even to the present day in the north, priests say prayers to appease the spirits of those who have died by snow, and to prevent them from haunting people who are connected with them. I think that that man deserved some haunting, though. Oh, the husband? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So yeah, that was my story. I thought it was really interesting. I've never heard anything like that about the Yukiona. But Yeah, I've never heard. I don't hear too many like ghost stories or like folklore from other countries. The East especially. Yeah. I mean like some in North America, South America and Europe, but Right. Not much place else. Alrighty, you said you had one story, and I'm pissed off because you actually found a fucking Christmas story, so I'm, <laughs> I'm really mad. Well, are, <laughs> is Christmas like a big thing in Japan? Um, Cause no, probably not. Could have been around Christmas time if that story happened, but well, they're yeah, just like... Well, yeah, that was the point. Yeah, but they just don't celebrate that, so it's not like yeah. worth mentioning. This one is called Good Company. Um, shouldn't it be called Bad Company if it's a bad ghost? Who said it was a bad ghost? Ooh, we got a good ghost in here, folks. <laughs> it's Christmas. The only bad ghost is the ghost of Christmas future. And Scrooge's ghost. Future self is always a dick. So yeah. condescending. <laughs> the soft thud of footsteps echoed behind him as he hurried through the snow toward home. They kept pace with him quickening when he quickened, and slowing when he slowed. It was creepy. His flesh crawled at the sound, and he sped up, cursing himself for walking home alone from the Christmas Eve mass. 
Normally not a pious man, Charlie had suddenly been struck by a wish to hear the old Christmas songs sung once again by a church choir, and had walked across town to attend the service. Now he regretted his choice. As he passed dark house after dark house, in the snowy night, and the footsteps ever followed, he sped up until he was nearly running, and skidded into his street. A few more paces brought him to the bottom of his front steps, and as he dashed up them, he realized that the following footsteps had ceased abruptly. He glanced behind him at the cross street from which he had just turned, and saw only one pair of footprints in the snow, where there should have been two. He frowned in puzzlement, and then shuddered as a cold breeze struck him, driving snow against his collar, and slammed against the door. Almost, it seemed to pass through the door, but that was superstitious nonsense. His hand was shaking as he unlocked the front door and hurried inside. He expected darkness, but was delighted to see the yellow glow of firelight coming from his study hallway. His old housekeeper, who he thought asleep in her attic bedroom, must have lit a fire pending his return. He shrugged out of his coat and paused for a moment, amazed to find it still warm and dry, though he had walked for more than a mile through a snowstorm. It was almost as if he'd been walking in a bubble of calm air, though he remembered the soft snowflakes hitting his face when he first stepped out of the church, before the mysterious footsteps. His shudder was interrupted by a shout of greeting as his old friend Andy came hurrying out of the study. His whole face lit up in a grin at the unexpected surprise. The two men hugged and retreated back to the warmth of the firelight, talking so fast they stumbled over each other's words. Andy had left town years ago to take a government job in D.C., and they hadn't seen each other since. Nearly an hour passed before it occurred to him that his guest might be hungry. His offer of a meal was instantly accepted, but Andy was unwilling to leave the comfort of the fire to eat in the kitchen. So Charlie jogged downstairs alone to fetch some food. He didn't wonder at his friend's reluctance to join him. Andy had looked very pale and had kept shivering with cold while they talked. He hoped his friend wasn't ailing for anything. A few moments later, he was back with warmed up meat and potatoes and a couple of glasses of beer, apologizing profusely as he handed Andy a plate for the mismatched dinnerware. Andy just laughed and hunkered down to eat. When they were both finished, he showed his friend to a guest room and then tumbled into his own bed to sleep all his apprehension caused by mysterious footsteps forgotten in the visit of his old friend. It was Christmas morning. He jumped out of bed and dashed downstairs to the guest room to rouse his friend. Andy wasn't there, and the bed had not been slept in. He ran down to look in the study, but Andy wasn't there either. On the end table, by the dyed-out fire, one plate full of food was still sitting. It was completely untouched, though he'd seen Andy eating from it the night before. Skin creeping at the sight, he ran to the kitchen and asked his housekeeper if she'd seen Andy. But the housekeeper had seen no one either the previous night nor this morning. He flopped down on the bottom step of the staircase, completely baffled. Where had Andy gone? It was a mystery that plagued him all Christmas Day, and he did not enjoy his holiday dinner at all. He was awakened the next morning from a restless sleep by the sound of the front doorbell. He stumbled out of bed and was splashing water into his eyes when a knock came at the bedroom door. His housekeeper handed him a telegram that had just arrived. As she hurried back downstairs to prepare his breakfast, he opened it. 
not knowing who would be telegraphing him so urgently. As he read, he started to tremble. The message was short. Andy's family regretted to inform him that his old friend had passed away on Christmas Eve in his home in Washington, D.C. He sat down hard on the bed, the telegram fluttering away from his hand. He allowed a few tears to stream down his face, and a smile found its way onto his lips. You're funny. Why? Because I found that exact story, and I was like, man, this sounds like dog shit, because of the wording. Like, it, whoever wrote it did it terribly. I edited I it. And that's why I was like laughing about it. I was like, this sounds really good. She must have found like a different version or something, but there's like sentences that I know I read, like, he sat down hard on the bed. I was like, I know I read that part. Oh. It sounded so bad when I read it last night. It was the only Christmas-related one I could find. Hmm, that's funny. So, yeah, good job. You made it sound a lot better than I could have ever imagined <laughs> in my head. That was terrible. The end. Alrighty. Well, like we said, we just wanted to keep this episode short so you can actually enjoy the holidays. But thank you guys so much for sticking around and listening, especially if you're listening to this on Christmas. That means a lot. That is it for our show today. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you guys in the next episode of Twisted Manor. Bye.